Amen, amen. As Pastor Joe said, my name is Doug Logan. I get to serve. And so, uh, man, I get to serve at Epiphany Camden as lead pastor and founder. Um, from 20, 2011, we started a church there in Camden. Um, my story with Pastor Joe Marlin goes back to Kensington when in 2004 when we served together. I actually served alone, and he showed up to serve with me. And by God's grace, over those next two years, he was ordained into gospel ministry, and his wife, Christy, who was my dear friend, was commissioned um, a deaconess along with my wife, Angel, on that particular day in 2005. And so um, I get the blessing of being Joe's, in the black church, we say father in the ministry. Um, all that means was I ordained him, and if he messes up, I'm the one who's going to get blamed. And so, um, so yeah, so in that... We were we have a we have the great joy of him serving with us for a year or so when he came back from Africa. Um, had the joy of praying with him and when he went out with Liberty to send him to Africa, and we had the blessing of him back as a pastor of Epiphany Camden. And I can tell you, um, I had prayed for Gloucester City for a long time, and uh, from the time we got here in 2011 started sort of doing life in Gloucester City. So I always mess with Arts Deli. And I do the bank here. I'm at PNC and Bank of America. I did the family dollar here. So I just always hung around here praying that for a gospel church to be planted and to move and that would, by God's grace, become a movement. And so when Joe came home from Africa and he says to me, um, yo, how would you feel about planting a church in Gloucester City? Would you be up for that? I said, yeah, let's do it right now. And he looked at me like, why would you say yes to that? Like, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I said, man, I've been praying for Gloucester City. Um, and it's just, so it was a blessing from God that he said he wanted to go. Um, having relationships here already, connecting him to everybody, the three or four people I knew. And um, the rest is history. As you know, you are a product of that prayer. You are a product of that hope. And you are, and you are, by God's grace, going to produce, and God's going to produce in you a gospel movement. And I know you may say, well, we just meet at First Baptist Church, and a lot of the people are from Epiphany Camden. Don't worry about that. Don't you worry about that. God knows how to do gardening. He knows how to do multiplication. See, he divides in order to multiply. He's he subtracts in order to add, and God is unique in his growing and developing of gospel mission. And we love these small, beautiful starts, just like on a lawn. The whole yard is tilled, and you plant some seeds, and it looks like a barren field for a little while, but a little water, a little sunlight, and next thing you know, it looks like a golf course. So that's what we do. We don't despise the growing grass until it's grown. We lean into the hope of the growing grass to see it be what we thought it would be when we planted. So it is with Gloucester City. Amen. All right. Well, um, let me pray and jump in. I'll be in Acts chapter 14 and I'll be in the CSB. I call it the Camden Street Bible. I think you guys use the CSB. 
CSB. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for your message. Have your way. Glorify yourself even now, tonight. I think about Gloucester City, and I pray for problems for Gloucester City. I pray for problems of not enough space, not enough leaders, not enough money to advance your gospel actively and intentionally and aggressively in this city. I pray that you would prepare hearts in this city to get punched in the face with Jesus, punched in the gut with the gospel of grace, that you would stir and challenge up people. I pray that the most unlikely people would come to know you through the work of the people of this church. All this for your glory and all this by your grace. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Acts 14. Let me read for your hearing. Starting at verse 21. After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. I'm sorry, and I need to back up. I'm going to start at 14. 14, 14. No, 19. I am so sorry. I am blind as a bat. No, no, I'm good. I'm good now. Start at 19. Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up. There we go. And went into the town the next day, and he left with Barnabas for Derby. After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. All right, the title of my message is Keep On Moving, Don't Stop. That's an old soul to soul song from the 80s but I believe that's how God works as he's active and moving and using people. So let me give you a backdrop so I can walk out my couple of points here. So the backdrop here is Paul and Barnabas. Paul has now been called and saved as Saul in Acts chapter 9. If we walk from Acts chapter 9, we get to 13. He is now at the church in Antioch. Antioch was primarily a sending church for many churches. It was no longer from Jerusalem. Um, um, the city of God, but now Antioch had set up, it had become the launch pad, the hub for sending missionaries in and through the world, fulfilling the Great Commission, Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all the world. Okay, so when we get to Acts 13, I could back you up, and the elders and the apostles were praying and fasting, and, and, and the intensity and the and the beauty of that prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit speaks and says, listen, this is what I want y'all to do. Set Paul and Barnabas apart for the work of the ministry that I've called them to. Now, the ministry that they was called to was the ministry of taking the gospel to the known world, then the Roman Greco world. And when in Rome, do as Rome, do as the Romans. This is this idea that Roman Greco society had the prevailing reality over most of all the known world. So they went out throughout the Roman world, the Roman Empire, taking and sharing 
the gospel of Jesus. And one key point was when somebody came to know Jesus when they came out, and often it was crowds, then they would plant a church. They'd go to the city, preach. After 20 people got together, they says, oh, they need a pastor. Let's set them up. This is what was happening. So here in this passage, we're showing you the infant church, this, this, this embryonic church movement jumping off that we are a part of today. And so what's happening now is Paul and Barnabas were set apart, Acts 13, and now they go around, they're preaching. And they had preached so good in the city prior to this one they're in, what happened was they began to be worshipped by the Greeks. The Greeks had never heard of preaching and authority and of signs and wonders that God had wrought. So the, the, this, these crews of Greeks assumed that they were gods. And then they worshipped them as gods. And Paul and Barnabas said, stop playing. I ain't no god. Get, get me off. They had hoisting them all on their shoulders like it was a big party and a parade. And Paul and Barnabas, the Bible says, rent their clothes. That just means they tore their clothes. Tearing the clothes was, a, was sim, symbolic of being completely frustrated and undone. And so they were saying, we're not a God. Stop playing. Get us off your shoulders. We're just men like you. So they talked them into that. They talked them to let them off their shoulders. They get off the shoulders. And then that's when we get to 19. So after they leave Lystra to Iconium, they get there. But there was something that happened, some Jews. Now, these Jews, according to church history and, and Jewish history, these Jews were Judaizers, and what, not Judaizers, they were, they were renegade Jews that believed that Paul was misappropriating who God was and that Jesus was not the Messiah, but Jesus was the mother of a woman children at a wedlock. So they would accuse him of baby mama drama and that Jesus was fake. Jesus was not real. He was a product of fornication. He wasn't real. And to worship him was blasphemy. So they said, if Paul preaches him, Paul preaches blasphemy and the penalty for blasphemy was death. So they sought him to destroy him and kill him and kill the gospel movement of Jesus. That's what they sought to do. And so as they barely could escape from being worshipped as gods, these Jews show up. Look at, I'm at verse 19. Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they had won over the crowds, they stoned Paul. So when they get there, they stone Paul. Like, so now the same crowd that was like, yo, you killed it. We love you. you almost, you're like a god to us. The Jews got there, started showing old Facebook posts to the people in the crowd of Paul's old days of killing Christians. Pulled up his pads probably, showed how nasty he was, and said, that dude ain't no God. That dude is a devil. And after they persuaded the crowds, they sought to stone him. And they did. So my first idea in this understanding. And so what am I arguing? I'm arguing that in the midst of all those challenges, the gospel just keeps on moving and doesn't stop. The gospel doesn't stop at our troubles and our trials. The gospel does not slow down. The gospel does not have an emergency break. The gospel does not have a pause button. It just keeps plowing through history, plowing through troubles and trials, and it will get its man. Jesus has never, ever missed or tried to save a man 
He does not try. Try would imply that he could fail, but he gets his man. He goes after who he would, the least, the last, and the lost, and the gospel plows through history, hell and high water. It plows through unstoppable, and you should take great joy in knowing that no matter how much mess you've been in, that Jesus can plow through it without a bulletproof vest and get to you and pull you out of darkness and transfer you into the marvelous light. This is our hope with this passage. So my first idea is we have to keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. So Paul and Barnabas, they were commissioned, sent out. They're out there. They're going. And as they were preaching, next thing you know, they, the crowds turned. They stoned them. Knocked Paul out. I don't know what happened to Barnabas because the Bible says it was Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas, Barnabas must have had on some Nikes tied up tight. And he took off running like I would have and got up out of there. So they dragged the body of Paul to the edge of the city, dump him out at the city limits, drop him off up there by the pool by Gloucester City towards Camden, you know how we do, and dropped him off up there and left him for dead. So the apostles creeping on the side, they came up the train track. They gathered around Paul and Paul popped up like popcorn. They left him for dead. They sought to kill him. Look what the text says after um, some Jews came from Antioch and they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. After disciples gathered around him, he got up and went back into town. I want you to notice he pops up like popcorn. First thing I would have said was, Barnabas, you a punk, where you at? When they were stoning me. But he didn't say that. He's, not, he's holy, not like me. And he's a mess. He's not a mess like me. And so he didn't say that. But what they did after that, I want you to see this. Don't miss this in the text. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went into town. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. So he gets up and goes back into town. I, that's bananas to me. Verse 21, after they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra. pressing on, this keep pressing on. And so after they beat him, he didn't see that as a moment to take a break and say, that's a sign from God for me to quit. He didn't say, well, the devil's busy and start saying, I rebuke the devil, like we like to do as Christians sometimes. Nah, without an ibuprofen, without 911, he didn't take the video to TMZ to try to get the people who beat him up a book deal. He wasn't trying to get on USA Today's cover for police brutality. You know what he did? He got back up and went back into town. If you're going to serve in gospel ministry, no matter what beating you take, you have to keep getting up. You have to keep pressing on. You can't let trials and tribulations be the roadblock, but the gospel keeps on moving and doesn't stop. And so you now are a gospel agent. You are a ray, a ray, a ray being coming from Jesus. So just like this story of Paul getting up, no ibuprofen, no bandage, doesn't say they rushed him to the emergency room. It wasn't no emergency room. Didn't do anything. He didn't have Obamacare or Trump care. He just had a headache and a limp. And he got back up. Can I tell you, if you're here today and you're here to serve in Gloucester City, you're going to run into some issues, not because it's Gloucester City, but because it's, it's the earth. People hate the church. People hate your God. And some folk, because of those two things, are going to hate you. However, we don't care about that. 
We have a beautiful sensitivity for people who are hurting and who hate because hurting people hate people and hurting people hurt people. But that's okay. We don't care about that because we believe in a Jesus who is a resurrection Jesus. So just like they killed Jesus, he didn't stop. He kept on moving and then three days later popped up like popcorn and kept going forward. You and I as believers in Christ are a resurrection people. So no matter what trials we go through, all we do is keep getting up and we keep pressing. We keep pressing. How do we do this? Here's my application for this. You must preach the gospel to yourself. You must preach the gospel to yourself. Just like you tell people, you got to believe in Jesus. You know he's the son of God. He died and rose again on the third day. You know that he says, if whosoever will, come unto him, all ye that labor. You got to say that to yourself. That's the... <laughs> That's the key ingredient to overcoming depression. That's the key ingredient to overcoming anxiety. That's the key ingredient to overcoming suicidal tendencies. That's the key ingredient to overcoming all types of loneliness is you must preach the gospel to yourself. We preach it to people who are hurting, but we forget to tell ourselves and encourage our own selves. Sometimes you got to tell yourself, I believe in a big Jesus and I've got some big problems, but he has overcome death. Our Jesus murdered death so that death couldn't murder me. So I've got to take inventory of this beautiful gospel I tell everybody else about. And I got to take it in for myself and allow me to hear no matter how bad my situation is. Jesus died in my place. He rose again with all power in my place. He saved me by his grace. It's not by works. I was dead in sin, dead in trespasses. I couldn't save myself, but Jesus saved me. And he can do it again today in my bad day. Keep pressing. Keep pressing and get up in Jesus' name. Don't get up in your strength. Get up in the strength and the power of Christ. My second idea, I'm not doing bad on time. I am. Second idea, 21, please catch this, 20B and 21. The next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. He didn't take a break. He didn't get a hotel room and soak in the hot tub. He got up, he kept pressing and kept getting up, 21. After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lysia and Iconium and to Antioch. So he's beat up, he gets up, goes out, he comes back to the scene of the crime, and the Bible says, they preached the gospel in that town. Now in the Greek there, it carries this idea, they preached the gospel to the entire city. I want you to know how bananas that is. Now that city would have been a city much like a Gloucester city, not large, but we ain't preached the gospel to this whole city yet. But Paul preached the gospel to the whole city, limping with a headache, a bandage, probably bruised. He still preached the gospel to the city. So my second idea is if we're going to do gospel ministry in Gloucester City to see a gospel movement jump off from this church, 
We got to keep getting up and we got to keep preaching. What do I mean, keep preaching? Paul kept preaching. He went back into town. He proclaimed the same message, the same message that got him stoned, the same message that got him beat down. He recognized that suffering provides an opportunity for more ministry. And so when he came back limping, I'll tell you what the message was. The message was, I'm going to be right here preaching the same Jesus. You're going to have to stone me. You're going to have to beat me. You're going to have to kill me. I'm going to be right here with the same gospel message. I'm going to be same here saying the same thing, that Jesus is Lord and that he is the only way to God that he is salvation. I'll be right here arguing about an empty tomb. I'll be right here arguing about a bloody cross. I'll be right here arguing about an ascended Lord. You're going to have to kill me before I stop preaching it. This is what Paul is doing. He kept preaching, and he put himself in preaching. Can I tell you what he did? He put himself, when he went back into the city that killed, that tried to kill him, left him for dead, he put himself in harm's way to preach the gospel so that people who hated God at the time could be out of harm's way. Here comes the gospel. So Jesus, who is the example, the model, the, the epitome of grace and sacrifice, Jesus, who had no sin, goes to the cross and dies in our place. So he put himself in harm's way that unbelievers, people, didn't know Jesus, could meet him, and that they could be out of harm's way. But he didn't do that for pretty nice people. He did that for filthy, nasty folk like us, adulterers, liars, porn addicts, drug addicts. He did it for us. He didn't wait for us to get clean. But while we were yet filthy, the Bible says he died in our place. While we were just wilding, the Bible says he died in our place. While we were just despising him and hating him, the Bible says he died. He didn't wait for us to get into the shower and find us clean and walk out smelling like polo cologne. Nah, he said, while you're filthy and stinky, I love you. And this is the reason we serve. This is what makes us sing all these songs is because we serve a God who does not a respecter of persons and he is not scared of your past. He's not scared of your present. He's not scared of your crimes. He's not scared of that. He's scared that when you don't receive him, that you're going to be in hell forever. And he's not scared about that because he's never lost a man. He's never lost a man. So Paul had to keep preaching. Paul had to put himself in harm's way so that others would be out of harm's way. Jesus on the cross put himself in harm's way so that you and I could be out of harm's way. This is the picture. Now, after he got beat down, I want you to emphasize this man's missional aggression. He goes 60 miles to Derby. On foot. With some dollar store sandals on. A robe. Sixty miles, sixty miles on foot. Y'all know what that is, right? From here to sixty miles. Doyle. Here, sixty miles. That's Atlantic City. A little further past Egg Harbor. Kept limping. 
me and you get into a scuffle about something. Next thing you know, we need a break. <laughs> we need a break. Get into a disagreement on Facebook. I'm taking a month off from Facebook. You should have been off of Facebook to begin with because you don't know how to talk and you can't spell. <laughs> You're non-spelling Facebook because I unfriend them immediately. Oh, you can't spell. There's a difference between O-U-R and A-R-E. Come to our A-R-E house. No. That's bad spelling. Delete. Unfriend you. So they should be off Facebook already. Paul didn't do self-help. He didn't brag about how he was beat down. I'm doing that. He didn't take Instagram photos of his limping and do a Facebook Live talking about, yo, I'm still going to Derby. They beat me down, but I'm going to be good. The gospel. You know how we do. <laughs> he didn't do that. He just quietly and graciously obeying the Father continues on mission. Because the gospel was his heart. Converts was his, his mission. He had a passion for the least, the last, and the lost. And nothing was going to stop that. That's why I can't stand prosperity preachers. I can't stand prosperity preachers. They make me sick. If I didn't pay a lot for my TV, I'd throw something at it when they're on there talking about money. They're on there talking about God wants to bless it with money. But here, here's the problem with their money thing is Paul was. Paul goes through all that hell, and then watch this. He's going to strengthen the churches. That's what he said he wanted to do. He's going to keep preaching. He was going to strengthen the church. Stay with me in the text. He, he was going to strengthen the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith. And by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Can I tell you, strengthening means to reinforce what God had already taught, to encourage them to grow and mature so that they could face all types of hardships. Second thing, he wanted to encourage them because after they seen him get beat down, they might have won wanting to quit. But he says, nah, keep on moving, don't stop. And how does he encourage them? Well, Pastor Joe talked about y'all little logo. What is it? Making disciples of disciples that make disciples. Something like that. Whole bunch of disciples' words in his little tagline. Tell it to me, Pastor Joe. Now, if I see that, I think this is an awesome church. I could join this church. Let me tell you the tagline on Paul's church. Through many hardships. <laughs> It is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. I don't know if I'm coming in here if that's on the sign. You're inviting me to hardships as a part of the mission. And you're saying it's, a, it's necessary. That word necessary in the Greek means mandatory, won't happen without it. So I don't, I like the fuzzy thing like Pastor Joe said, making disciples that are a family that drink beer together on Friday night. <laughs> I like that message better than it is necessary to go through many hardships. The, the, the ESV says through, it is necessary, it is a must to have many tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. 
I don't like that banner, but Paul likes that banner. And neither do prosperity preachers on TV like that because they think a Rolls Royce and a Lexus equals God's power. I tell you, suffering in Christ's name without murmuring, whining, and complaining is the power of Christ. I think the power of Christ is obedience through hardship. I think the power of Christ is obedient through trials. I think the power of Christ is obedient to continue to serve him even on your deathbed, even through the midst of maybe even divorce or the loss of a child. I think that's the power of Christ. I think that's how the Holy Ghost works. He don't necessarily work through a Rolls Royce. I'm not mad at Rolls Royces, but Rolls Royces don't make Jesus powerful. Jesus makes Jesus powerful and his ability to love the unlovable us and still send us on mission. And we are called in that. Who's the model? Jesus. Jesus is on the cross, beaten beaten all night, abused, lied on, called a witch doctor, called a demon, called the demon of demons, a devil, watch, watch, and yet on the cross they say to him, get down and save yourself and save us. He said, no, I'm good, Doug Logan translation, and he stays on the cross. He didn't consider that an opportunity to get down. When they approach him in Garden of Gethsemane, Peter whips out the switchblade, cuts the ball's air off. Pow! Jesus put the boy's hair back on and says, listen, I could call a legion of angels here and wipe them out. No, I'm going to keep on moving, not stop in the power of, in the power of God. He doesn't get off the cross because he's obeying the power of God. Nothing could deter Jesus from obeying and pleasing and bringing glory to the Father. So it is, Gloucester City. Let nothing deter you from obeying and bringing glory to the Father in Gloucester City. There's a bunch of unbelievers who hate God right now, who God has situationally put you in position to crash into them with the love of Jesus. Your hug is a means of grace. Your good morning is a means of grace. These that you have are a means of grace. This gathering is a means of grace. Fire pit at the Marlins house is a means of grace. The way y'all love one another. Now, Gloucester City has a history of racism against African Americans, but when I look at this Skittles church of all races and faces, it's a means of grace. It punches in the face every stereotype of every, every person who thinks, I ain't going into Gloucester City. They don't like black folk. I think I'm here. I think there's a church here. And I think we love Jesus more than stereotypes. And I think the gospel punches stereotypes in the face, smacks them down, stomps them, and we declare a new day that Jesus reigns, that Jesus reigns. We will not be separated and segregated into corners. We are going to keep on moving, don't stop, because the gospel declares it. My last point, and I got... A few minutes left. Does that mean five minutes, Pastor Joe? Okay. That's a special missionary clock. <laughs> it's got the red. I thought, that, I thought it was like a thermometer. I thought it was getting hot in here. <laughs> so, so we got to keep preaching. We got to keep preaching. And through many tribulations. What a testimony. Paul says, here's the logo of my church. Paul, you know, the church at, at Lystra. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. My last idea. So after we keep pressing and keep getting up, 
after we keep preaching the gospel, no matter how rough the beatdown is. We must keep planting churches and preparing men for ministry. Look at verse 23. When they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Paul and Barnabas handpicked leaders in each church. After praying, they got to fasting. They presented new leaders to God. He com- they committed them to the Lord. See, this is the process that we're in now. Epiphany Camden is Acts 13 for Pastor Joe and Christy. We've already laid hands on and sent them and said, we're sending them off to do the ministry. That ministry is Epiphany Gloucester City. Now we're in the process of not trying to plant a church. That's the Jedi mind trick. We're in the process of reaching a city with the gospel. And the place where we gather is at First Baptist Church at 5 o'clock. But the goal is not to plant a church. Any unbeliever can plant a cool church with enough money and a good graphic designer. We are seeing, we want to see the, the reign of Jesus in Gloucester City, in every area of life. We want to see it in the schools, at the police department, at the flower shop, at the parks. That's why we have movie nights. That's why we have the Christmas. That's why Pastor Joe goes to Dunkin' Donuts and prays for anybody that will walk in. We're not interested in planting a cool church. Joe is a smart dude. He's got a master's degree and all of that. Joe can plant a cool church. I think an unbeliever with good money and a good graphic designer can plant a church better than me and Pastor Joe. But it just won't be God's church. And it just won't have the thrust and the reality in which we're called to do as a church. But he can, but I think any joke can fill a room with enough hype. So we are trying to declare the reign of Christ in Gloucester City. And after we do that and people come to Christ, we just happen to meet at five o'clock on Sunday night at First Baptist Church. So the idea now is not just evangelism, but it's the making, maturing, and mobilizing, and multiplying of disciples is how the church grows comprehensively. Making disciples, go forth and make disciples, Matthew 28. Maturing them. Ephesians, equipping the saints, mobilizing them, giving them opportunities to serve, and then multiplying them, teaching them how to reproduce themselves. This is our prayer. Because when that begins to happen, the devil has a problem. Because now he's got to fight an army of people who just love Jesus. He's got to fight an army of people who can stand up against the lies of the enemy. He's, now we've got recovered addicts who know Jesus and are walking in maturity. Now we've got atheists who have met Jesus and now you can't convince them. So when you have an army of people who have been transformed by Jesus, the city has, the devil in that city has a problem. So I'm praying that you would be the best problem in the world. Gospel missionaries that give the devil a fit in Gloucester City. And one way we have to do that is we have to believe in long haul transformation. Transform people, transform cities. Transformed people, 
transform cities. This is why Paul established so many churches. So what he did was they picked out some leaders, appointed elders for them in every church, prayed with fast, and they committed them to the Lord. And so the heart of a father in the ministry for a guy like Joe is that he would grow, mature, his marriage would be secure, his children won't become wayward because they think he loves the church more than he loves them. Um, he'll have good stewardship of his life and his time. He'll protect his marriage. He'll protect his good stewardship over his loot. He'll, he'll be stingy with his time as he's protecting his family dynamic because he's here for the long haul. And he doesn't believe he's God. See, the pastor that believes he's God does too much and doesn't appoint elders. But the one who knows he's just a human, he wants as many good leaders as possible. And so that's how we're praying to that end. Now, in that, a joy for a guy like me who's helped to plant Pastor Joe is this, that he would get pregnant and have a baby in Gloucester City would birth out a child. It's a great thing as a pastor to plant a church that's having a child. But when you have a grandbaby, that's even a greater joy. So my prayer for you guys is that as we keep getting up, we keep preaching, and we keep planting churches and preparing men, that we have a takeover Gloucester City mentality, not a plant a cool church mentality. And when we seek to take over Gloucester City, we start praying like crazy, serving like crazy, loving people who hate us, caring for people who have been rejected and dejected. Man, I long for a movement like that. And as we punch in the stereotypes of the city, every city has a stereotype. Camden is murder and violence. Gloucester City, for many African-Americans looking on, is this racism. And Detroit, murder and violence, all types of cities, southern cities, southern places, from lynchings and all of that. The gospel rewrites the narrative of every stereotypical issue in the city. So the beauty is God uses you all as the ink pen, as he writes a new story about Gloucester City, one that we're going to tell our great-great-grandchildren about, how God showed up, kilted for his glory, and change the city. Let's pray. Father in heaven, bless God and strengthen. We pray that the gospel keeps on moving and not stop. We pray that you would continue to raise up new leaders here. We pray that you would raise up plenty of money. God, this church needs money. Pastor Joe needs loot. The gospel advances um, through the power of your name, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and through that, God, we're praying that people would get on board and see vision and value in what you're doing here, and that they would give generously to the movement and to the mission of Epiphany Gloucester City. I pray, God, that you would continue to unite this new team, this new family gathering here. I pray against any trickery or deception of the devil to try to infiltrate the beauty and the grace that's happening right now. And I pray, God, that you would grow them as one, grow them as a, a coherent, glued by the gospel team, that demonstrates the love of Christ, the beauty of unity, and the power of God. And God, we pray that the whole city would look on and everyone who has been left out and, 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 and left for dead, that you would drag them.
in here by your spirit that they would encounter the grace of God at Epiphany Gloucester City and that when they come, they will get saved and they'll never be the same. This is our prayer in Jesus' name.